Okay, good morning, Bershus Rabbi Krohn's. We are on Paytes Amid Aleph. We are on, we are where it says, Varami Mezid Amezid, which is um, about, I don't know, it's kind of, um, it's hard to say where this is, but it's kind of like four or five lines from the bottom, right in the middle. So, if you were following in the art scroll, it's 89A3. So we had been talking about this um, discussion between Rav Chista and Rav Nassan Barabi Oshia, and where it had to do with the concept, the question was if you have um, tr- you have something that you need to decl- you need to remove truma from, and you decide that you're going to take produce or something that's tame and take it and use it to, to take truma from it. In, in order to enable the stuff that needs to be truma taken from, um, you're really not supposed to do that. However, if you do it by, sh- by shogeg, it sort of works. However, you do it by mazid, there was a statement, you didn't, you didn't accomplish anything, right? So low us of low kum is what the Gemara says. And then the question is between the two opinions is Rav Chista says, what does that mean, low us of low kum? It means you didn't do anything. In other words, the you didn't just you didn't enable the pure stuff to be used because truma was taken from it the stuff from the the tame stuff that you gave is not truma nothing happened total do-over however abnasa ravoshia says no it's not quite that it's what you gave as truma that piece even though it was tame it still counts as truma however you need to give truma a second time so then there was a discussion between like what's the difference between the two of them um, and there was a, there was basically a statement that like why does why does Rav Chista not say like Rav Nassan because he says that people will not once they know that truma has been given they won't agree to give truma a second time. So then it quoted a it quoted another story around when it comes to um, certain types of fruits or vegetables like cucumbers or other things like that if you gave those as truma and then you find out that they are um, spoiled. Then you are then what you gave was truma, but you have to give truma a second time. So um, it's like, why is that different? So then it so it kind of specified that there really were three levels. There was shogeg where you gave it completely without knowing, and then there's negligence, which is in between. Which when it comes to the fruit to the ver- vegetables, it's considered negligent because you should have tasted the fruit before you gave it. And then there's total mazid, which is the initial case where you gave something that's clearly tummy. So, going back to the Gemara, Varami Mazid Amazid. So, we have a contradiction between two different um, statements of when you're giving Truma, when you're doing this by Bemazid. Hakakatani Bemazid, Loa Saklum. In the case of Tame, where you gave Tame in order to enable the Tahar to become usable, it's we say Loa Saklum, you didn't accomplish anything. Hasam Tanan, we learned in a Mishnah, and this Mishnah is in Demai, Hatori Mishain Nakov al Nakov. So if you have a something growing in a flower pot, if the flower pot has holes in it where it's actually connected to the ground through the holes in it, then it is considered required truma midaresa. However, if you have a flower pot that's just a full flower pot that's not really connected to the ground, then in theory you give truma, but that truma is only derabanan. So if you want to take if you want to take um, produce from a pot that does not have holes in it and use it to enable produce that does have holes in it, so in other words, you're taking 
something where you're doing derabanan truma in lieu of the araisa truma. So what happens? Truma v'yachsar v'yitrum. That what you gave was truma. What you gave from the flower pot without holes, yes, that's considered truma. However, you you now need to go give secondary truma, second truma again from the perforated pot because you you need to um, enable the produce that has truma a, a doraisa truma requirement. So in this case, we're again requiring the guy who get, say, all right, you gave truma, we have to give truma a second time. So why in this case would we say the guy is going to be willing to listen and give truma a second time when before we said no that the reason we couldn't do it is because the guy will not agree to give truma a second time? So the Gemara answers, betray ma'anig tzayis. We're talking about two different utensils. So when you give truma from one thing and then you need to, then we say no, you now need to give truma from a second utensil, the guy's going to be willing to agree. Bechad manalo tzayis. But we're only talking about one set of things, like fruit, like a, whatever type of produce that's not in two different things, even though one's tar and one's tummy, the guy will say, once you say his thing that he gave was truma, he'll say, I already gave truma, I don't need to give truma again. So now, going to Rav Nassim Bar Oshia, or Rav Nassim Bar Oshia the Amar, Lo Asa Lo Klum, he says, when it says Lo Asa Lo Klum, it talks about what it means is that what you gave is truma, but you need to give truma a second time. Aval truma havai, the truma that he gave, um, he's saying that the truma he gave is truma, and the Kohen could use it, like we said earlier, um, when you give Tame truma, the Kohen is able to use it to burn it and use it for its oil. Um, so it is, does qualify as truma. Why is the why is the rule different here? I mean, a nakav, alsha a nakav. Truma, so truma. Um, in the case of where you have the perforated pot, truma sa truma, his truma is considered truma and should be given to the Kohen, even though it was from a non-perforated pot. Voteacha, however, he's not allowed to eat from the from the produce in the perforated pot. Until he takes truma maser from something that's on a da'oraisa level. So again, he's saying in this case, um, you know, you gave truma on a on a derabana level. You need now to go and do truma and maaser on a da'oraisa level in order to enable the produce in the perforated pot to be used. The Gemara answers shiny hacha. Um, it, it's different here. The midaraisa truma ma'alta he midarabi That under the daraisa it's a valid truma, and this follows the opinion of Rabbi Lai. Um, that we'll talk about what Rabbi Lai says in a second. So the Kohen is allowed to use this this produce is allowed to use this truma without having to do a secondary um, a secondary separation from a perforated pot. Amar Rabbi Lai. From where do we know that if you take truma from inferior produce in order to, to in order to free up superior produce to be consumed, that truma that that truma counts and it works. You shall bear, not bear a chait. You not have a sin when you separate the best part of truma from it. Meaning that if you do not take um, superior on to cover superior, but you take inferior to cover superior, that it's, it's, it works, but it's a sin. The reason you know it's, it works is that because it's a sin, in other words, it wouldn't be a sin if it didn't work, it just wouldn't work. But because you say it's a sin, 
Therefore, you must must be an implication that it actually works. Mikan, here you learn, Therefore, you learn that when you bring truma from inferior produce, that it works, even though it's not, not totally inappropriate. So now going back to Rav Chista, and now turning to um, turning the page in Art Scroll. Amalei Rabu Rav Chista. Rav says Rav Chista. Lidi dacht amart lo asalokum kol ikar. According to you, and you say that one who deliberately separates um, this tame for the tahor does it amaze it. You didn't do anything. Dafilu alhu griva hadalativla that even the amount, even what you took, even the effect, that piece that you took from the tr- from the tame to be used as truma, that is not that itself is not truma at all. The reason you do this is because you're worried that the guy is going to is not going to be willing to bring another truma. So therefore, you don't allow this first piece to be considered truma. It's what you're doing here is you're. You're do you're disqualifying a um, a araisa rule. Basically, you're saying he doesn't have to bring. Um, it doesn't count as truma. dilma pasha And because you're worried that the guy is not going to do what you want him to do, the rabbanan said it's not truma, and it made it not truma. So in other words, the guy took truma from tame in order to disqualify, in order to enable tahar, which he shouldn't have done. And what you're saying is. It's not truma, even though he called it truma. It's not truma. So, in other words, even though in theory, Midaraisa that piece should be truma, the rabbanan removed its status, and because the guy might not follow the rules, it does, is the bezin able to um, not, you know, disqualify a daraisa? In other words, take something that's daraisa and not do it. So now we're going to have some proofs that you that this this actually can happen. Don't you say that the Rabbanan are able to disqualify a Da'araisa? Vatnan, we learned in our Mishnah, this is connection back to the Mishnah we learned, Havlad Mamzer Mizeo Mizeh, that we said what happens when she gets married by virtue of the single witness and um, that testified that the husband died and she goes and gets remarried and then there's children whether she has children from the second husband or the first husband they're both it makes sense that any child born from the first husband is a mamzer because she was still married to the first husband but why should the any child born of the first husband be considered a mamzer she's technically his wife um, and the child born to, to this, this husband and wife is a Yisrael. And we're basically saying, by doing this, um, we're saying, no, he's a mamzer. And therefore, we're saying, you know what? Even though he's a Yisrael, we're going to call him a mamzer, which implies he's now allowed to marry a mamzeris, the kasherin and lama mamzeris. So we're saying, even though this guy was really born in Yisrael, the Rabbanan are going to give him the status of a mamzer, which then allows him to marry a mamzeris, which theory bidaraisa he's not allowed to do. Right? So how are they able to do that? No, she, he's actually not allowed to marry a mamzeris. He's not allowed to marry a mamzeris. Vamai Karle Mamzer, why are they calling him a Mamzer? The Osra Bavas Israel to say, no, he's not allowed, we're not 
we're not overruling the, the Araisa that says that the Israel is not allowed to marry Mamzeres. We're saying he's considered a Mamzer in the sense that he's not allowed to marry Israel. So we're kind of pe- penalizing him. So who can he marry? That's a good question. He can't marry anybody, right? So um, basically, it doesn't allow him to marry anybody. He can't marry him. According to this, he can't marry Mamzeres. And he can't marry Israel. So it's like the ultimate pe- penalty. Um, so if like if um, you look at Rashi, a sower of Yisrael, sort of talks about what Arnon said, the concept of Alma, it's a penalty, makes this great great Torah, that it's not really that you're you're enabling, you're overruling a Torah prohibition, but you're creating a siag, you're creating this fence. Akira, it's not an Akira, Akira, that it's not really an it's not really a Kula in the sense it's totally a chumra, that he's not allowed to marry either way. Um, so now we're going to talk about um, other cases of the Arabanans that overruled the Arasis. Shalach of Chista could try to find one. Shalach of Chista Rabba Biyad Rav Achabar Rav Huna. So Rav Chista sent a letter to Rabba Bar through Rav Achabar Rav Huna. Bezdin Can the Bezdin not overrule something that's the Arasis of Atanya? We learned in the Baraisa. When is a man allowed to inherit the estate of his wife who is a, um, a minor? So what we're talking about here um, is a situation that we learned about earlier where if the father, the father of a young girl um, dies, then the, then the brother and the, and the mother are allowed to do this form of marriage called, which, which is sort of like an uh, intermediate marriage, but she has the right when she turns 12 years old to, um, to reject it. It's called, it's called miyun, right? We learned about this previously. So they can, they can tentatively marry her off, but when she gets old enough, she's allowed to walk away from it. So when, is, when do you have a case when this man is allowed to inherit the estate of his wife who is um, underage? When is he, when, so when does he get the right to do that? Because in theory, the problem here is that this is a tentative marriage. And the property doesn't really belong to her. You know, the Yerusha the shouldn't really be there because the marriage is not final. So when, the question really here is, is when does that marriage in essence become final? So when she reaches the age of maturity, when she becomes old enough. Um, when she enters the chuppah, meaning when she, I guess the process was, is that they would sort of betroth her when she was underage, and when she became of age, they would, you know, there would be a chuppah ceremony where she would formally accept the marriage, as opposed to doing miyun, where she would reject the marriage. So Shammai says when she becomes old enough, Beishelel says when she goes to the chuppah. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, when she has relations. Yarshan. It's that, from that point on, according to those opinions, the husband is allowed to inherit the property of the girl if she dies. Umitamile, and if he's a Kohen, he's allowed to be um, Mitame himself to bury her because a Kohen is only allowed to uh, Mitame himself to bury the Shivakrov. And if she's not really his wife, he wouldn't be allowed to be Mitame. And she is eligible to eat Truma. That's because she he is a Kohen. Um, so going through those, so let's clarify these different opinions. Beishamai says when she becomes old enough, when she reaches 12 or 12 and a half. 
But does he mean that even though she has not yet done the chuppah, the formal acknowledgement of the marriage, once she turns of age, then it really becomes official, and therefore she, he's able to um, inherit her? Gemara answers, Maybe Beishamai means that it, both things have to happen. She, a, she has to reach the right age, and second, she has to answer, she has to do the chuppah ceremony, whatever that is. And this is what Beishamai are saying to Beishil, because Beishil says, um, When, when Beishil says, when she goes to the chuppah, it's not so clear-cut. What it really means is, if she reaches the eight, the the right age, then she goes to chuppah. Then she is the chuppah becomes effective for her, and it entitles her husband to inherit her if she dies. and if she did not reach the right age, Then going into the chuppah, if they do this chuppah thing, whatever that is, it doesn't work for her until she reaches the right age. So you can't assume that just because she goes to the chuppah, then the, the whole concept of Mian isn't going to happen. You need both things. So Rabbi Eliezer says the property becomes effective when she has relations. So the implication is that maybe if she had relations when she was a minor, then it would work as well. But we, we say that when uh, um, a minor has relations, it means nothing. It doesn't, doesn't cause anything real to happen. So does he really mean that? Meaning, So Rabbi Lezer also must mean that she has to, A, reach adulthood, and then have relations. It's not just the act of relations, but she has to be old enough as well. So, um, so Rav Chista says, Katani mihes yarsha. So the Brisa teaches us that once there, you don't have to worry about me, and once she either reaches the, the right age or, and, or she has the chuppah or the relations, then he is eligible to inherit her estate, even though this marriage is really just a rabbinic marriage that was done by the father, by the, by the relatives. So what we have here is a situation where technically the father should inherit the daughter because it's only a rabbinic marriage. But because the Rabbanan um, set up this situation, we're enabling him to inherit her at the time that these things happen. So this would imply that, you know, according to Rav Chist, Rav Chist is saying that this is a situation where the Rabbanan are able to override a um, the Aresa principle. So we reject this by saying Hefker best did Hefker. Hefker, this is a well-known concept that we know that the, when it comes to monetary manners and, and you know, inheritance is a monetary manner, the Bezin has the right to basically make any property Hefker and give it to someone else. How do we know that the court has the right to, you know, basically move property from one place to another? This is from Ezra. And Ezra basically was, he basically said, anyone who does not return within three days, um, then his, the property will go back to, the property basically gets taken away from them. So what's happening here is that um, the, he's saying that the Bezin has the right to basically confiscate the property that belonged to other people um, by a decree of Ezra, by a decree of the Rabbanon. 
Um, Rabbi Eliezer, Amr Mahacha, he says, no, we learn it from a different place. So these are the inheritances that were apportioned. So when Ben Israel crosses the Yardain and comes, comes into the land, there was an apportionment of the land according to the tribes. So it mentions here, it talks about Rashi Ha'avos, and it talks about Yehoshua, and, you know, so it talks about Yehoshua basically um, uh, allocated the land, and then it talks about Rashi Ha'avos, that the families of the tribes. So why we have this connection between the Avos, meaning the, um, the leaders, and the, you know, the Russian, meaning the leaders, and the Avos, meaning the fathers. We learn from this. So what would happen here is that they would allocate to the tribes. They would say, okay, this tribe has this area of land, and the, but then within the land, the fathers would work work out amongst themselves how they would allocate the land that they that they had to their children. So just like the fathers can allocate according to their will, so too the heads of the people can allocate to the people according to the way they want to. So again, so it kind of points out that the Bezdin has the right to allocate according to this. Umitamele, and so. Now we learned that if the Kohen, we said the Kohen is allowed to be Matama himself um, in this case. So what do we, we're basically said that because normally a Kohen would not be allowed to be Matama himself to marry somebody he wasn't married to. And we're saying that the Kohen is allowed to be Matama here. So why is that? Here's a situation where Midia Reisa, only her father is allowed to contaminate herself. It doesn't really mean her father in this case because we know her father died, but it really means her father's, the, her brothers and her, her mother, the, 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 her family from her father. So it really should be the only, that her family, her, her born-into family should have the responsibility to marry her. Um, and they should be the only ones that should be allowed to be metame themselves to marry her. Um, so why is he allowed to marry? He allowed to to bury her. Why is he allowed to bury her? Right. So um, we're saying because the daraisa was that the, the, the over, overriding daraisa here is that the rabbanan said that this kohen, even though he's not allowed to, I mean the daraisa, the the family should bury her. They are overriding that by allowing him to marry her uh, to bury her on the basis of a rabbinic marriage. So they say maybe this isn't the case. Bishum the havilei makes mitzvah. Maybe what we're talking about is that this is a mace mitzvah. Mace mitzvah is that when there's a body that there's no one to bury, it's considered a mace mitzvah. And in that case, a Kohen is allowed to, to metama himself to bury a mace mitzvah. So how could this be? A mihaves mace mitzvah. How could this be? How can you consider this a mace mitzvah? Vatanya, we learned to the Brisa. Ezehu mace mitzvah. What is considered a mace mitzvah? that there's nobody that you can call to bury this person, right? Um, but if you can call other people to bury this person, ain't um, a mitzvah, it's not a mitzvah. So in this case, she has brothers and a mother, so she has this other family that you know married her off, and in theory, they should be called upon to bury her, and therefore, she should not be considered a mace mitzvah. So if she's not considered a mace mitzvah, what right do you have to say that the Kohen, this Kohen should be metami himself because of mace mitzvah? Our answer is, since the relatives no longer have the Yerusha rights, they no longer are going to inherit her, they're going to they're be like, 
who this? They're going to be like, I don't know who you are, right? They're not going to be willing to come along and um, and and bury her if necessary. So because they don't, have, they no longer are inheriting her. They're not going to step up to bury her, and therefore she's considered like a mace mitzvah, and therefore the kohen should be um, the kohen is is allowed to bury her by virtue of being a mace mitzvah. So going to the top of Sadik Amit Aleph. Um, so the Ochelus Begita Truma, and we had learned as well that the the third thing we said was we said that um, in a, you know she uh, he, the Kohen is able to be Matami to bury her as well as she the minor is allowed to eat Truma because of him. Ochelus um, Begita Truma. So this is also an, uh, uh, going against a Da'oraisa because theoretically. Um, she, since it's not a um, the Arisa marriage, she should not be allowed to eat the truma of this kohen. So what they're saying is that because this is a darabana marriage, they gave the dispensation that she's allowed to eat truma. So maybe this as well is a case of proving that um, that of a, the darabana are able to go against the Arisa. The Gemara doesn't like this as well. The truma darabana says no. This only applies to what would be considered. Truma de Rabbana. Like we learned earlier, if you had a flower pot, like we learned earlier, that doesn't have holes, in that case, the truma that you bring on that is a de Rabbana. So the, you're not overriding any de here. So again, we are still left with trying to find the case of a de Rabbana overruling a de So with this, we'll stop, and we'll continue again next week. But for now, have a wonderful day.